Hey, this is Chris Martin with the Getting Work to Work podcast. If you're curious like I am to continually level up your communication skills, keep listening to the Art of Communication podcast with awesome human being, Greg Rice. Welcome to the Art of Communication, where entrepreneurs learn to grow their business more effectively through mastering their ability to connect to others. Whether you're looking to increase revenue, widen your network, or just getting others to buy into your vision, we'll help you dramatically transform your business and life by communicating more effectively, improving your leadership skills, and reinvesting time back into your family. You're only one good conversation away from transforming your business and your life. So let's start the conversation with your host, Greg Rice. What's up, guys? Today, I got to chat with Chris Martin. Chris is the owner and founder of Chris Martin Studios, where he's on a mission to chase big ideas and tell epic stories through documentaries, through advertising and other visual medium. He's also the host of Getting Work to Work podcast, where he's sharing the epic stories of other amazing people that he interviews on the show. And then he does a lot of training and coaching around the topics of storytelling, asking great questions and developing curiosity. So Chris has a really deep passion for great stories, and I asked him where that comes from. He also shared with us how to tell a great story, regardless of medium, as well as the nuances of telling stories across different mediums. And we also talk about the importance of curiosity and how he uses that to get to know the uniqueness of every person that he talks with. He's always looking for what's that thing that makes you unique as an individual. And that can be a really powerful conversational tool. So this interview is a lot of fun. He's a great guy. He's really passionate about storytelling and curiosity. And that really shines through. And, and I consider both of those things big pillars to being a great communicator. So I hope that you guys get a lot of value out of this episode. Chris, welcome to the Art of Communication podcast. Thanks, Greg. It's great to be here. I'm excited to talk with you about all things communication. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. And one thing that I love about, I think, what you're bringing to the conversation is a focus around storytelling. So I'm excited to get into all the dynamics of storytelling and, and how we can all get better at it. But just to start, I kind of love your passion around uncovering unique stories. So where does that all come from? It's, it's interesting because when I was starting my business in 2006, one of the things that I often read was, you know, have a unique value proposition. What makes you unique as a business? And I don't know if I ever was able to answer that question in a way that I felt like, give me your money. I am unique. <laughs> so <laughs> as I was thinking about unique stories as a filmmaker and a podcaster, I was just searching for what made people unique. It's like when I'm sitting across from you virtually, Greg, I'm like, what makes Greg unique? I instantly want to know. Mm -hmm. And I think if I were to want to know why I feel that way, it's because if I can figure out what makes other people unique, I might know what makes me unique. Interesting. Interesting. So how do you go about attacking that? Like when you're talking to somebody new, how do you go about trying to drill down to, hey, what makes this person unique? Mm. It always starts with interests. You know, what what are they interested in? Because, you know, I like to read, I like to listen to music and watch movies, but not everyone does that as well. So trying to find not even common ground, but just what lights your fire? What gets you excited? What gets you out of bed? Mm -hmm. You know, what's the what's the last song you listened to? Okay, that, that didn't hit it. What was the last book you read? What was the last pot? So I'm just constantly drilling down to find the 
one thing that just changes their tone of voice, makes them smile or whatever it could be. And and so when I'm just searching, I, I'm looking for anything to grab hold to so that then we can just run with it. Because inevitably that leads to something else. When someone's passionate about something, it's a train of, of details that it's like a, it's like gold. Once you find a, a vein of it in the ground, you might find an unbelievable wealth or you might find fool's gold, but that's a whole nother story. I think that's such a great conversational tool that you're highlighting there, right? To look for what lights somebody else up mm-hmm. as you're conversating, get out of your own head on, Hey, here's what I want to say. Here's <laughs> how I want to tell them why I'm right and they're wrong, but look for what lights them up mm-hmm. and then follow that path. That's going to lead to some really powerful conversations, right? Some, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Genuine conversations. I think you get past the small talk side of things when you can do that. I've never been interested in small talk. I've always struggled with it because it's like, uh, what do we talk about? Well, you can only talk about the weather so long. Mm-hmm. I mean, in, in the Northwest, we we kind of have two modes of operation. We have rain and we have sun. You know, sometimes we'll get <laughs> snow and it's just like, that's like three minutes right there. Mm-hmm. And that's really boring. But then you get into... Uh, anything beyond the surface and it just gets so interesting so fast. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So related to that, you're also really passionate just about stories in general. So tell me why you love storytelling so much. I did a job interview recently where I had to explain digital storytelling. And what I took away from that, it, it really forced me to think about storytelling and why it was so powerful. So it's like, this is the perfect time for this conversation because it's fresh in my head. And it's because they're so powerful in a way that we can change our beliefs on a story. Like we can listen to a story and it can fly under our radar, our logic, our intellect. And immediately we can change our whole outlook on life. We can change our whole narrative if the story hits us in the right way at the right time. And we see it all the time right now. We are seeing the impact of storytelling on a global level right now. Mm-hmm. And you know, masking up or not wearing masks, that is a story. Mm-hmm. Whether you believe in a virus or not is a story. And I'm not saying whether the story is right or wrong, good or bad. It's just people will believe a certain thing about a story and change their whole life around it. It's it's mind-blowing to consider just, okay, what are the stories that I'm listening to right now? How am I letting them impact me and guide me and, and interact with other people? You talk about what lights folks up. I can tell that storytelling lights you up a bit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get a little bit passionate about it, Greg. That's, that's tremendous. So you mentioned the way stories can impact you and you don't even necessarily realize it sometimes I think I don't think we stop to think what kind of stories we are consuming every day and how that might impact us but why do you think it's so powerful why does it have such an impact on us we get to live someone else's life Mm. without the consequences Mm -hmm. without having to make any changes ourselves and I can listen to a story I can watch a story and never have to have actually done what someone else has done like the movie Free Solo. I don't know if you've seen that. It's a documentary about the, the, the guy that free climbs up, I think, El Capitan in Yosemite. 
and one wrong move and he dies because he, he's going to fall. And, and what's so powerful about that story is that my hands are sweating right now just thinking about it. I'm never going to climb that mountain. I'm, I'm never going to climb a mountain, period. I, I don't like to say never, but there are certain things that I know that I won't do. And yet I can experience the story and have a, a physiological reaction to it. When I watched it for the first time, not only were my hands sweating, my hands are sweating right now thinking about it, but my feet were sweating. That was weird. I had never experienced <laughs> that before. Feet sweating watching a movie. That, that was a new one for me. So it's powerful because we, we just get to experience it in a way that we never might if we chose not to do it. Yeah, no, it's pretty amazing. I think how we just naturally put ourselves in a story that we're hearing and, and you know, our mind goes through experiencing that, whether we're having that experience or not. Um, it's just a fascinating way that humans, I think, connect. I think it goes back to how we've communicated throughout our history as human beings, right? It's been through story. It's been through speech well before there was ever written word. And probably before that, it was done through body language, you know, before there was ever word. So it's really interesting. So <laughs> Grunts and points and, you know, <laughs> back in the day, a, a story would change our life. Indeed. Or save our life, I should say. Not change yeah. it, but save it. It still can, I think. There's a lion over there. Watch out. <laughs> so what are the keys to telling a great story? I'd like to say that there's a formula. And if you want the formula, you can read Story by Robert McKee. Mm. Uh, I've thumbed through it and I, I'd like to say that I've read it, but you know, I start and then I stop. It's, it's a good reference book though. But I think if you really want to tell a great story, you obviously need a character. So I think having a character, having someone that you can connect to, be it a hero, be it a villain, whatever it is, the, the type of character isn't as important as just having someone, a person that you're connecting with they're going through a conflict or a struggle, something that they're working against or for, and then there's some sort of change. And, and that kind of follows the three-act storytelling structure of you know beginning, middle, and end, introduction, journey, resolution. Uh, it's just this idea of you want something, you go get it, and something changes as a result. Interesting. So how can we use that to be, I guess, better business storytellers. You know, I'm thinking about a sales conversation or maybe a leadership conversation. Right. So it depends on, you know, whose story are you telling? I mean, mm -hmm. are you telling your customer's story? Are you telling your story as a business? And, and what's fascinating is, you know, people will always say, you know, you're not telling your story, you're telling your customer's story. But if you're not ever telling your story, you're going to be confused as a whose story you're really telling because you have to tell your story because that's how people connect with you. People connect with the storyteller as much as the story. Mm -hmm. And so as a business, if you can be constantly being a storyteller of yourself and your customers, I think it creates a whole world of content for you to explore the stories of your employees, the stories of the way that your business has changed the lives of your customers, the stories of your customers, whether they've been affected or not. You know, it's, there's a whole, like I said, world of information out there. Yeah, absolutely. I, I found it to be a really powerful approach 
And from a sales perspective, you know, when you can use a case study, but tell it in a way that really relates to the client that you're talking to mm-hmm. and communicate how they could benefit from what you have to offer, just like your other client has benefited. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can be just a, a really powerful tool. If you have some of those stories in your back pocket, you know, that you can mm-hmm. use on a regular basis around some of the key things that you're talking about. Yeah. Well, and the interesting thing too, is as you were describing just story in, in the sales process, there's also just a huge unknown certainty. There's, it's, there's an unknown factor in storytelling. Even Hollywood doesn't know necessarily what's going to just make a ton of money mm-hmm. if that's the measure of success. So I look at something like Avengers Endgame that made billions of dollars. Why, why did that one make all the money and, and a better one not make more money? It just kind of boggles the mind. So it's like, if you, I, I guess I'm, what I'm trying to say is if you think that a story is automatically going to convert your customer, that's, it's just part of the conversation. It's an important one, but it's not everything. Yeah. And I think tying it back to what we talked about earlier, right? Understanding what lights your customer up in this scenario, right? So as you're telling the story, looking out for that thing that might light them up mm-hmm. and digging deeper in that area, or maybe yeah. it doesn't light them up at all. And yeah, that story really didn't hit. Maybe I need to think of another story. Putting those two things together can be powerful. Mm-hmm. Now you brought up kind of movies and you do a lot of digital storytelling specifically, right? Documentary mm-hmm. work, helping, I think, companies spread their message digitally. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit about the nuances of telling a story through digital mediums. Yeah, digital mediums are interesting because I I don't think it's just your one thing anymore. As, As a filmmaker, you're more than just a visual storyteller. You're constantly telling stories in multiple mediums. And I think the the thing with digital mediums is that you're doing everything. You're writing, you're producing, you're directing, you're you're podcasting, you're you're updating websites. I mean, it's 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 infinitely more complicated in a digital format because the barriers to entry is so low and the technology is so accessible now that most people can actually do so much with so little. It's pretty mm-hmm. un un believable compared from you know when i started in 2006 you know hd hadn't really taken off yet hd video i was still using standard definition video which you know i I did a lot of great work with it but at the same time it was it was such low quality compared to what's there now yeah i guess i'm curious about what the process looks like right when you go to a company and you start to explore how to tell their message digitally, or you, you want to tell a story from a documentary perspective and you approach it and you say, I want to do a documentary around this. What is the process of digging the most compelling story out of that and then yeah. sharing that back digitally? From my experience, there's generally been two approaches. One is the company comes to me and says, Hey, I really love your work. Let's, let's do something together. I, I, I want you to produce something for me. And I would say that, of the work that I've done has been that. Mm -hmm. But that's changed drastically. It's no longer that because there's so many players out there now. There's so many companies doing this work that everything starts to kind of look the same, feel the same. So your work isn't necessarily, I think, the thing that stands you apart anymore. It's this. 
Mm-hmm. And so now instead of like, yeah, you have to have good work, but now you also have to be able to connect with someone and sit across from them. And so one of my best projects was for a Christmas tree farm. And the reason why it worked so well is because I just sat in the truck with them driving around to all the different farms, the different tree farms, and just talking to the the guy that was driving. And he was telling me about how long it takes to grow Christmas trees. None of this, mind you, is in the finished film. Mm-hmm. But my understanding of the process made it to the finished film. And so, you know, we, we centered their film around from the lot to the lot. So the, from the Christmas tree farm to the lot where the customer would buy the Christmas tree mm-hmm. and everything in between. And so it's, it's not necessarily a, a story of these are the people involved, but just this is how many people touch a Christmas tree from the farm to the, the truck. Mm-hmm. And, and so through that process, it was more of just like, this is what I'm hearing, am I correct? And I'm just filming things from different angles and trying to let my curiosity and fascination with this world that I am not a part of drive that interest. That's interesting. So you kind of map out an understanding in your head through conversations Mm-hmm. And then you do your best to, uh, I guess, capture imagery to align and, and tell that story of, of how you understand it in obviously a creative and artful way. Yeah. And, and just using the, the tools over the years of just like, you know, some things are going to be more interesting than others. So, for example, mm-hmm. if there's machinery involved, I'm, I'm going to be fascinated with machinery, even though they'll take <laughs> it for granted. But I think most people, when you aren't around like certain certain machinery, you're mm-hmm. like, whoa, that's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, uh, you know, you have like in one machine, you have, it shakes the tree and then it gr- there's like this arm that comes out and grabs the trunk and pulls it through and wipes or uh, wraps twine around it. Mm-hmm. That's interesting to me. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to shoot that for about 15 minutes from every conceivable angle and focal length so that, you know, when it, when it edits together in 30 seconds, it's like, boom, 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 boom. And you're like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. I think people who aren't as familiar with kind of the digital world don't understand how much effort it takes to narrow down to the 30 seconds that they see in a video. You know, it's hours and hours and hours of video that gets whittled down to that 30 seconds. Yeah. And that's the conversation that's the hardest, I think, with clients is because they'll see the finished 30 seconds, minute, two minutes, 10 minutes. But what they don't see is the hours upon hours upon hours of content that's being produced on the on the back end of just like, yeah, we, we have to interview people for three hours to get maybe 10 good minutes. Uh, maybe across three different people because the story is not just one person it's many people and and that creates some complication at times because you know more people means more dollars Mm -hmm. for sure i want to go back to something else you said there that uh, you know succeeding in your business today is becoming more and more about connecting with people not just about your product and that's something i've been hearing across a lot of industries for example talking to an an attorney recently made the same case that you know being an attorney used to mean people had to come to you for any legal help and that really meant something but now you can get 
so much legal advice or help from other sources. Um, you really need to be able to connect from a relationship perspective to be able to grow relationships and grow your portfolio. So I think that's just becoming more and more important across the board. And that's one of the reasons why communication skills in general, I think are so important. Absolutely. Yeah. Connection is everything. Yeah. Speaking of connection, it starts with a C. I'd love for you to tell me a little bit about the five C's. Nice lead uh, in there, right? Oh, that was perfect. I, <laughs> I am a sucker for alliteration. I, I love alliterative sayings. And if, if I can find a rhythm to what I'm talking about, it's always going to be found. So if you noticed earlier, it's like character conflict and change, you know, three C's. It's, it's just how my brain works, <laughs> whether it's right or wrong, I don't know, but uh, it works for me. <laughs> the, the five C's, creativity, curiosity, craft, I think commitment and connection. And those are just my values. I was trying to really specify what is important to me. Mm-hmm. What what do I want people to care about as well? Uh, so it was really my way of starting to put my values out there, but also describing or defining what those values meant to me. Yeah. And what's interesting is like I've gone through this process again because I'm I'm redefining everything right now. I'm in the midst of redefinition, and the five C's aren't the five C's anymore. Mm. Most of them are still there. Yeah, but there are some things that I've realized. You know, when you're when you're in your house day after day, you start to realize some values that that weren't quite there in just pre-COVID times. <laughs> yeah, and we all we all change and evolve over time too. So mm-hmm. values do as well. Yeah. So, so adding things like adventure and freedom. I mean, those those are big things for me that I didn't really recognize or. I think value as much or say that I value, even though I knew they were there, but I didn't like, um, I didn't live them as much as I probably should have. Yeah. It's, it doesn't work so well for alliteration, but it still is. It's more important to get it right than, you know, I'm sure I'll find a way. <laughs> so one of the ones that really jumped out at me, there's curious curiosity, right? We've already talked a little bit about it, but mm-hmm. I'll just love your thoughts on how we can get better at asking questions. <sighs> I love asking questions, Greg. I mean, I can't help it. I'm always asking questions. And I think the first thing to do to get better at asking questions is to realize that they don't just magically pop into your head. Mm -hmm. Like you actually have to put some effort into thinking about what do I want to know? What do I really want to understand? Again, those are, those are questions. You have to start asking questions by asking yourself questions. And also understand, you know, there's two types of questions, generally speaking. There's an open-ended question that gets people talking. So mm-hmm. it's like who, what, when, where, why, and how. But then there's closed-ended questions. Yes or no questions. How old are you? And those are, to me, equally fascinating. I know a lot of people say never use closed-ended questions. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're bad. I look at them as almost like it's just a different type of note in music. So it's like staccato as opposed to, so staccato means like sharp and, and very much pointed. Uh, So a, a sharp pointed question is like, do you believe in this? 
And if someone says no, you have as much information in that short no that you would if they talked for two hours about why they didn't believe something. But then that no might trigger something the way they said no Mm -hmm. or how long it took them to say no. Mm-hmm. So there's all sorts of information around that question that's fascinating. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. I think to take that approach, you need to kind of have a little bit more, um, uh, I don't know, ammunition or follow-up, right? You can have, you can ask a pointed question, but then you have to have something to follow that. You have yeah. to observe how they answer, number one, and then have mm-hmm. um, an approach to follow up with that, whether it's, well, why do you say that? You know, or tell me more about that. Um, you got to be willing to kind of go deeper with it, but I think that that's really interesting. Yeah. And when you just, in, in many ways, just answered your question right there is you have to listen. Mm-hmm. You have to not only listen for what's being said for, but listening for what's not being said, listening for how they've just shifted their whole body language. Mm-hmm. Are they smiling when they say that? Are they, you know, you know, scowling or are, are they angry? That's all information. And that's a form of listening as well you know, listening to how the silence feels. In, a, in an audio format, you and I have trained our ears to hear tone of voice. We, we can hear what the silence is feeling like. And that's one thing I've noticed about some, something that you do really well, Greg, is that you let silence sit. And in that silence, you can learn so much as well. Just letting silence sit there for a second. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well no, so, uh, no, but I really do appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. And silence, it can be very powerful. Um, it can also be somewhat uncomfortable. You know, you kind of got to get used to it. Um, <laughs> oh, it's so uncomfortable if you've never done it before, because I think when people are starting out asking questions, they want to fill the space. They want to be seen as experts. Mm-hmm. They want to prove that they know what they're talking about even if they don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> I know nothing about Christmas trees, so I'm just going to, of course I'm going to let someone else talk because I don't know anything about them other than they smell great. True. <laughs> so tell me about the Curiosity Toolkit. That was something that caught my eye as well as I was just kind of perusing the things on your website. I've always enjoyed being a teacher and I, I've been exploring for a while online courses Mm-hmm. And the Curiosity Toolkit was one of the first courses that I started writing. And it's just a way of approaching curiosity with the metaphor of the body. So how can we be curious with every sense of our being? So our eyes, what does curiosity look like there? Our ears, our mouth, our nose, our hands, our feet our mind, our heart. And so each module kind of breaks down these different areas. And, you know, I've spent a lot of time watching online courses to see what works. And I, this was one where I didn't want it to be just me on video talking. I actually devised almost like a reality show approach around it. So uh, mouth, for example, I'm kind of a picky eater. I'm a little bit better now in my older age than when I was younger. (laughs) But I thought, why not get curious about eating different types of foods that maybe I have a bias against Mm. and filming myself doing it and then, 
And that way it's not just me talking about eating foods that you might not like. Here's what happens when I eat, you know, like fish and chips or something that, you know, in the past might be disgusting to me, but what happens when you get past the, the, the bias or the story, uh, the stories (laughs) that we tell ourselves about the food. That's really interesting. That's very cool. It's something that I I think would definitely be worth checking out. I'm curious of how you address some of your other senses. Like you mentioned the mouth, how about Mm -hmm. like the eyes or touch or any other examples like that? Yeah, absolutely. So like the eyes, it's like, that could be like watching something different on Netflix or Hulu Mm -hmm. or, or seeking out different visual stimulations. So if you're in your cave all day long, why not go outside? Why not go into your backyard? Why not go for a hike? Why not just go for a drive to, to experience something new? When it comes to things like your feet, start walking somewhere. We don't walk mm-hmm. enough. I, I know I don't. But uh, just getting your steps in and seeing what's around you. I, I read a book recently called The Library Book by Susan or- Orlean. I think that's how you pronounce her name. And it was the history of the Central Library in Los Angeles. And she told a story about one of the early librarians, head librarians of the Central Library, walked from like the Midwest to LA back wow. in the day. And he, he, they're telling the story of getting mugged in, in some parts of the country and, and just this experience of like, I couldn't imagine myself walking to like LA from where I live, that would just be crazy. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, that's, that was the mode of transportation a long time ago. What happens to our curiosity when we walk, when we yeah. touch different textures? I love touching textures. Like I'll, I'll constantly be going like this with like papers, like rubbing my fingers on the texture of the paper mm-hmm. just to see what it feels like doing stuff like that. Very cool. Very cool. Definitely a different way to approach it and think about it, I think, which I really like. So then what are curiosity builders? How are those different? I don't think they're different. That was my way through the process of the last four years of trying to label the types of people that I want to work with, the types of people that listen to my podcasts, that engage with me. And it all started with kind of like, okay, I like curiosity. What are, what are the domain levels out there? The top level domain names. Uh, Curiosity.com's been taken forever. That doesn't make sense. And so I was just doing a domain search for uh, curiosity and some form of action or verb. And I came across the domain builders, curiosity.builders. And that actually just kind of, that was the start of it all. I'm like, oh, that's that's actually really interesting because <laughs> it's not just one of those things where you have curiosity and you're done. You have to constantly be building it. You have to constantly be practicing it. And so that kind of became the model for, or the name for what I would do for teaching people. So my courses and workshops, it's, they're kind of branded as curiosity builders because I want you to build your curiosity so that you can fuel your life. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. So switch topics a little bit. I'd love for you to just tell us a little bit about the podcast and, and what you're doing there. 
Yeah, so the podcast is called Getting Work to Work. And the idea for it stemmed from a class that I was teaching four years ago. And it was a professional practices class at a community college for creative people, artists, web designers, graphic designers. And I was just sharing my experience. So I was sharing timesheets. I was sharing proposals. I was sharing all of this detail about the successes and failures of business. And a student walked up and said, I really wish you had a way to share this information outside of class. I wasn't an active podcast listener. I didn't really think immediately, oh, I'm going to make a podcast then. Mm-hmm. It just kind of one thing after another. I had a friend who had podcast for years and he's, I, he loaned me his equipment. And I just, I'm like, I don't know if I can talk for 10 minutes. I don't know if I can talk very long. Mm-hmm. And I ended up saying, okay, I'm just going to do monologues 10 minutes long. And that'll be the start of it. Every week, 10-minute monologue. I know I can do that. And then from there, eventually, after about, I think, uh, three or four months, I'm like, I need to try interviewing someone. Mm -hmm. And I was concerned about it because coming from a documentary background, I'm used to sitting across from someone and being able to look at them, make eye contact, and draw out story. I was unsure of whether I could do that in an audio-only format but just practice and practice. And I've been at it four years now, just released uh, episode 433. Wow. And uh, it's it's something that I just love doing because it's a way of connecting to people. Mm -hmm. It's a way of hearing their stories. It's just another way of hearing stories because I've always been fascinated with watching people work, learning about why people do what they do, the successes and failures, the, the, the things that they want to make or they, they wanted to be when they were younger. I mean, all this stuff is, is fuel for getting work to work. Yeah. So can you share two or three things maybe that you've learned from interviewing others that you took away from the show? Absolutely. This is where my notes come into play. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote down seven things, but uh, <laughs> I'm not going to share all seven for you. That's a hard one because when you have 400 episodes, you're like, what are the stories? And and so I kind of racked my brain for a while. And I think the first one is that everyone wants to be heard and everyone wants to be understood. Mm. I I don't care if if they've been a professional speaker for years and they've got a tight, polished brand or if they're just they're new to their craft. Everyone wants to be heard, understood and be treated like the amazing person that they are. Mm-hmm. And it's such, this, a, it's it, such an important lesson for communication in general as well, right? If you just remember that when you're talking to somebody, you can, uh, I think, progress a lot around making or building true relationships um, and really understanding them for who they are and they're going to reciprocate. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a really good point. And that kind of leads me into the second thing is that some people are there just to sell. Mm-hmm. And some people there are actually there to serve your audience. Mm-hmm. And that's really fascinating to me. Like I've, I've really wanted to wrap my mind around that one a lot because I can hear when people are just selling. Mm-hmm. And generally it's when they're most on brand, meaning you can tell they've said this phrase before, or this is like something that I read on their website or maybe heard them say in another interview. 
And immediately, 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 I want to get them off that script and get them into something that they might not have shared before. Mm -hmm. And it's not that I don't want them selling to me. I mean, I respect that. But at a certain point, I don't want to just be another logo on their website, on their press page. I want them to walk away from that experience thinking, wow, I, I wasn't expecting to get that much from this experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really cool. And something for me to, I'm continually working on as well, you know, how, how to ask unique questions and, and how to get, especially as you interview folks who've been interviewed a lot, you know, um, trying to find new ground to cover with them is always a challenge. Oh, it's, that's difficult, especially like one of the one of the first really kind of quote unquote famous people that I interviewed. You know, he had been interviewed a lot, and you know he he was just like it was just challenging because I knew he would have been interviewed a lot. He had the attitude that he had been interviewed a lot, and it was a challenge because. It, it just, I couldn't find it. I couldn't find the uniqueness. Mm-hmm. And, in, and in some ways that fear has led me to not be as brave or bold to reach out to people that I do want to interview that have been interviewed a lot because, well, what do I have to offer them that is mm-hmm. unique or different? That's a horrible way to run a podcast. <laughs> Hopefully you have your audience to offer to them, right? That's, that's one mm-hmm. of the real value drivers from your perspective is you, get, you help them bring their story to new people. Yeah, well, and not only that too, but I think to, if, if I were coaching someone who came up with that same concern, you know, I think I would really be focused on, well, what is your curiosity telling you about this person? What do you really want to know even if someone's already asked that question. And, and I think that's the important thing to take away from, from this is that it doesn't matter if you're saying the same thing as someone else, as long as you say it and grow from it. And there's nothing new under the sun. I, th- I think that's one of my favorite things that I've ever read. There's nothing new under the sun, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that you give up and just stop. It means that you try and, and you grow and you learn and you get yourself out there. You have these conversations and you just keep, keep trying and keep growing and learning. For sure. So there's a couple more questions that I like to ask everybody who I have on the show. Yeah, the first one is around just the power of conversation, mm-hmm. right? I'm a big believer that just one conversation can change your life in the direction that you take. So I always like to ask my guests if there's a conversation you can point to that had a really meaningful impact on the path you took in life. I came up with two and if that's okay, I'll share both of them because it's completely okay. They're, (laughs) they are two pivotal conversations at really crucial times in my life. So the first one was in 2000 and it happened in Israel of all places. I was on a trip and I was pretty angry with where I was at in my life. I had dropped out of college to be in a rock band that failed And I had moved home after that. And I didn't really know what I was doing with my life. I kind of had some ideas, but I was unsure. So I went on this trip and I met a filmmaker who, this was his first project at this job that he had was to film this trip that we were on. And we just hung out. And one of the conversations, I don't remember all of the details because it's been 20 years, 
but we were sitting in the King David Hotel in Jerusalem, Mm -hmm. drinking Orange Fanta, talking about life. I've actually been there before. (laughs) It's a beautiful (laughs) lobby. I mean, it's a beautiful lobby, a beautiful country too. It's an amazing place. It's totally amazing. And, you know, he just. He just said, you know, it really sounds like you, you want to go back to school and study animation. So why mm-hmm. don't you do that? And that's what I ended up doing. And uh, out, outside of art school, I ended up working with him for a few years and he would become kind of a mentor and we keep in touch to this day. And that, that was a conversation that I think really put me on the path that I'm on today mm-hmm. of, of being a storyteller, of caring about people and taking the time to like, listen and learn that was one conversation the second one is something i think about almost every day Hmm. when i was getting my master's degree in 2012 i was in a class and i was the type of person then that had to write everything down i had to script everything that i was going to say and it drove people nuts because when you're giving a group presentation and three people can be in the moment and i have to look at my script that doesn't work well for a group dynamic. Mm-hmm. When I was putting together lessons plans for classes, if I was teaching Premiere and how to edit video, I had to have in my notes all of the questions that could possibly be asked, all of the shortcut keys, all of the possibilities, because I was insecure in saying, I don't know. So I scripted everything. It took so much time. And my, my professor at the time, kind of looked at my notes. He just smiled and said, Chris, one day you're going to be able to write your lesson plans in pencil and bullet points, and that'll be enough. And I, I sit with that every day because, take this for example, I have a few thoughts written down, but everything else is just kind of, this is what's coming up. I'm, I'm more comfortable in the moment because of that moment with that instructor. That's interesting. And it really flows through the way that I think you approach podcasting and the way you ask folks questions. And like we've been talking about how you like to just, uh, you like to just watch them and see what lights them up. And you can't yeah. know that ahead of time, right? So you can't know what path you're going to end up going down ahead of time. You can know a lot ahead of time, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's, I'm off script on question one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> very cool well great great stories i appreciate you sharing those second question as you think about all that you've accomplished so far mm. if you could have had one communication skill in more abundance that would have made it a lot easier what would that have been easy the ability to ask for feedback mm. i suck at that even now like i struggle with asking can you give me feedback on this i don't know if it's just my ego can't handle it or if it's just not a skill that I've developed yet. Mm-hmm. I think it's more of that because over the years, you know, your, your ego takes a hit over and over again when you do creative work. I'm sure. And, and I think it's just more, I, I just don't have the, the skill at it yet. It takes a lot of effort to just put it out there because the story that I tell myself is, why should they care to give me feedback? Mm-hmm. As opposed to the better story of like, why wouldn't they care, you know, to, to, help me get better so that I can serve them better. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's certainly an important thing to do. And something I find difficult sometimes as well, especially in kind of client situations. You know, there's uh, (laughs) sometimes an uncomfort level, I think, in asking for feedback there. Uh, I'm not sure why, but 
That's interesting. So last question for you. Who is the best communicator that you know, either know of or know personally? Like you don't have to necessarily be friends with them. <laughs> um, but who's the best communicator you know and why do you say that? I wrote a ton of names down because I'm just like, well, who, who's coming to mind? Like, Of all of the questions, Greg, this was the one that tripped me up the most and I had to really think about that. That to me is like a sign of a great question anyway. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and I, the, the name that I kept coming back to, I don't know him, but I, I would love to know him one day. It's Ken Burns. He's a documentary filmmaker mm-hmm. known for his epically long uh, documentary film series like baseball, jazz, prohibition, the Vietnam war. And yeah, he makes these compelling documentaries. He tackles complicated issues, but just the way he talks about storytelling, the way he talks about the human condition, the way he talks about uh, just story in general is captivating. Like I want that when he talks, I listen. Very cool. Very cool. I appreciate all the homework you did thinking about it as well. (laughs) Absolutely. So final, final question. Where can folks find you? Where can they find the podcast? They find your courses, what you're working on? The best place to go is chrismartinstudios.com. That's kind of the hub for everything that I do. Getting Work to Work can be found on pretty much every podcast platform just by searching Getting Work to Work. And uh, you'll find... The, mo- the most recent 75 episodes on most podcast platforms. And then you can find the whole back catalog at gettingworktowork.com or gwtw.co. And uh, those are just redirects to pages buried in my website. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Very cool. Well, thanks so much, Chris. I really enjoyed our conversation. Um, I know that the audience will as well. I think we got a lot, we, we dug out a lot of great nuggets, I think, around the importance of story and how to tell a great story, especially a authentic kind of heartfelt story and get heartfelt connections with other people. So yeah. I definitely appreciate you, you helping us walk down that path. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure, Greg. And anytime you uh, need some storytelling insights, I'm here for you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. Absolutely. Don't let the momentum stop now. Continue your path towards connecting at another level by joining the Communication Nation. We'll be discussing today's topics as well as more real-world solutions to transforming your life personally and professionally at facebook.com slash groups slash join the Communication Nation. Remember, you're only one good conversation away from transforming your business and life. And that conversation starts right here on The Art of Communication.